So the, the way I remember Epiphany, it's weird. And um, it's a very weird day. The, the lessons themselves... I mean, Psalm 72 is pretty good. I probably should have preached on that. It's all about kings and what kings are supposed to do. Um, Ephesians. I don't know what they were thinking when they chose Ephesians. Because it has nothing to do with Epiphany. Nothing about kings. Nothing about gifts. or some boundless riches in Christ. I guess you could call that a gift. I'm not sure. Three guys walk into a stable. Kind of the thing with Matthew. Isaiah has this strange blessing up. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian. You know, as a, as a 21st century reader, the, this idea of young camels covering me, a multitude of young camels covering me, really doesn't sound all that appealing. For one thing, where would I put them? They, they have a, a live... Uh, you can't have chickens in Charlestown, so I'm sure you can't have a camel in, in there either. As one commentator says, I hope they're small camels, if you're going to be covered in them. And these gifts that the, the, the Magi bring, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because that's the most practical gift every first parent needs. A gold brick, smack the kid in the head with. Fire with incense. First century embalming fluid. Thank God none of you brought any of those for Thomas. There's a, there's a really funny meme out there that says, After the three wise men left, the three wise women came bring fresh diapers, casseroles for the week, and a bunch of gift cards. So I did see one that says wine instead of gift cards. Probably would have worked out too either way. And we assume that it's always three, right? Three wise men. Saw all these songs about three kings. First Noel, the, the song we will be singing today. Uh, we three kings. But we're never told that there's three. We're told that there are three gifts. And one guy could have carried two or carried all three of them with him. And I, and I tend to think that if uh, someone traveling this far... Would have um, would not have been coming with just three people. They probably would have brought fifteen or twenty people with them. And we're and we're never told that they're kings, right? That's kind of that was added on centuries later by other kings as a way of sharing the magi's gift. Really, there, there's only two kings in the story today. One is good, who was born in Bethlehem, and one killed innocent children. So let's talk about this reality that Matthew is presenting to us this day. Matthew really doesn't have a birth narrative. It's really just one verse at the end of chapter 1. It says, When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she bore a son and named him Jesus. Luke's the one who has the shepherds and Mary going to visit Jesus and traveling to Bethlehem and the census and the stable. Matthew doesn't mention any of this. Instead, Matthew's focus is on the Magi, these astrologers who look to the stars and not to Yahweh for answers. They are foreigners outside the Jewish community. They come and seek the newborn king because they have observed his star at its rising in the east and wish to pay him homage. They wish to worship him. It seems that they took their horoscope seriously that day. Really seriously. Seriously enough to spend the next five years of their life, of their lives, traveling from their home in the West to Bethlehem and then back home again. And we often forget that once you got, they got to Bethlehem, they had to go back home. Two years, maybe it doesn't seem so bad to be on the road. Five years, that, that's a college degree. Imagine tra- 
spending five years of your life, your five years that you spent in college, going from traveling over desert terrain into countries that don't like you, risking your life for just one moment of seeing Jesus. These magi come to the supposed Jewish king seeking the new Jewish king, the real Jewish king. They come to Herod first. And Herod, though, thinks he's top dog. He, he built the temple. He maintains order in the kingdom. He has slaves and servants to do whatever he wished. Yet these three outsiders come into his palace looking for the real king. How insulting to Herod. But who cares about Herod? He's really an illegitimate king. He doesn't look out for the welfare of his people. As, Psalm, um, as the psalm it says in 72 today. He built that temple, of course, but as a legacy of his rule and kingdom, not to God. And Rome tore it down 70 years later. Herod cared about himself and only about himself, and his lust for power was even felt after his death. During nearly his whole reign, Herod faced trouble within his own family. Around the year 29 BCE, he killed his wife out of jealousy, one of his wives. As years went by, the whole matter was further complicated by the question of who's going to replace him after he dies. And like many people with a strong will to power, Herod could not face the idea of losing his throne to his sons. So he put three of them to death, and his brother only escaped death by dying before Herod could kill him. When Herod finally died in 4 BCE, his last two sons made claims to the throne, and Augustus, the emperor at the time, finally settled the matter by splitting the inheritance between the two sons and a third one, and not allowing the title of king to go to any of them. The fact that Herod was willing to kill his own sons to prevent them from inheriting his kingdom after his death is just proof enough to me that what comes next in the book of Matthew, the martyr of the innocents, did happen, and it could have happened. Epiphany is not a story of three kings. It's a story of really just two kings. One is housed in a grand palace. It's called the Great, but is gripped with fear and paranoia. He sentenced innocents to die to assure his precarious hold on power. The other is called Emmanuel, and his love made flesh. He's born in humble surroundings, visited by strange foreigners of an unknown religion. The question we should ask at Epiphany is not which, which gifts should we be bringing, but which king do we follow? Do we follow the king who remained on his throne by killing those who threatened him, whose kingdom is built on status, coercion, and fear? Or do we follow the king who survived because of the hospitality of strangers, whose kingdom is of justice, peace, grace, and love? Thomas and Rebecca, your little girl Olive this day is about to embark on an amazing journey as a Christian. She's not only going to be made one in Christ, but she becomes a member of our church family as well. And by extension, you too as well. And we all make a commitment to, to her this day that your daughter, to your daughter, that we will pray for her in a new life in Christ. We send her not just with physical gifts, such as gold, frankincense, and actually we don't give you that. We, we have some much better kid-friendly toys up here. Um, but we do give you spiritual gifts as well. We give you the Holy Spirit and a sign on her forehead that can never be removed. And our prayer for her this day and every day be that God might keep her safe and that our great King and Lord would never let harm come upon her. 
And she comes to the altar this day with no gifts in her hands for her Lord. She just comes with you two and about a hundred people behind you. Her life might not always be easy, but I can promise you that she will never be alone because of her baptism. Just like none of us will be alone because of our baptism. I really hope she grows up to be a weird Christian. I hope we all grow up and be weird like the Magi were. And I want you all to embrace the weird this day. I want you to be foolish like the Magi were. I want you to be covered in camels, young ones, of course. I want, you, I want us to bring impractical as well as practical gifts and set them before the Lord. I want you to be willing to put your life on hold in order to search for the one who has been foretold by the prophets who will one day be born in Bethlehem in the city of David. I want you to kneel at his cradle and I want you to worship and may God bless you in such a way, in such a weird and strange way, that you're overwhelmed by God's grace and a multitude of camels.